one of the keepers that used to work with her joked that if you didn't have what she wanted, she'd throw up a proverbial peace sign and walk away. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Ross Safari. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to a very special episode of the Ross Safari Podcast. I don't know if you'll remember this, but in the 90s, whenever a sitcom was going to have an episode deal with something a little more adult or challenging, it would be advertised as a very special episode, as a clue to parents that it was going to deal with a tough subject. And today's episode is definitely that. Don't worry, though, it's an uplifting story with a great message. Before I get into today's topic, I want to remind you all that if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and take the time to rate it and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. This helps others find Raw Safari, especially if you give it a five-star review. You can also check out rawsafari.com for links to all of my social media accounts and also a link to my Patreon where you can support the show. I know the world is crazy right now, but if you're able to become a monthly supporter of the show, it would mean a lot to me and will also get you some really cool bonus content. This episode of the podcast is coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, home of Zoo Atlanta. When I reached out to the PR team at Zoo Atlanta with the idea for this week's episode, they were kind enough to not only agree to do it, but to invite me down to the zoo for a face-to-face interview, and I could not be more thankful. Everyone at the zoo was incredibly kind and supportive, so please throw them some support by visiting when you're in the area and checking out ZooATL on Instagram and ZooAtlanta.org on the web. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with Danica Wolf. Those of you who are big panda fans, such as myself, might recognize that name as Danica writes many of the panda updates posted by Zoo Atlanta. Honestly, to this nerdy guy, it felt a bit like meeting a celebrity when I sat down to talk to her. Our interview focused entirely on one animal, Iggy, the red panda who lived to be almost 14 years old at Zoo Atlanta before the decision was made to humanely euthanize her. Iggy was a very special red panda and one of the first red pandas I got to see after starting to fall in love with the species. I definitely wasn't alone in my love for Iggy, as she was one of the most beloved animals at the zoo. And don't worry, this episode isn't all sadness. Instead, Danica and I celebrate the life of this incredible ball of floof. We're going to discuss her personality, her preferences, how a whole team came together to make her life incredible, and how her legacy will continue to help her species even though she is gone. You're also going to hear us talk a lot about the Red Panda Network. RPN is one of my favorite charities, as they are doing some really incredible conservation work in Nepal and the surrounding area. Please take a moment to check them out at Red Panda Network on Instagram and redpandanetwork.org online. We recorded this episode outside at Zoo Atlanta as buildings were still not open in the ongoing battle against COVID-19. We were socially distanced and wearing masks. As such, you're going to hear a lot of background noise, which I actually love. The whole time you listen to this episode, I want you to picture Danica and I sitting at an outdoor table as birds sing and excited zoo guests wander by, happy to finally be back after so many months away while the zoo was closed. 
I want to say a huge thank you to my buddy Joe Palermo, an incredible sound engineer who helped reduce the background noise so the interview sounds clear, but you still get the feel of being present at the zoo with us. If you have any audio needs, check out Joe, P-A-L-E-R-M-O, dot style. Joe is one of the sound engineers on my tour of Million Dollar Quartet, and he does amazing work. He's also a really good human with a really big heart. Okay, here's my interview with Danica Wolf. Cool. All right. Uh, so, Danica, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, can you start off by telling the listeners just who you are and what you do? So, yeah, my name is Danica. I'm a giant panda and carnivore keeper at Zoo Atlanta. I've been at the zoo for about five years now, actually. I started as an intern in the carnivore department, and I bounced around the zoo for a while, and now I work exclusively in our giant panda, red panda section. That's incredible. That I feel like that is the dream for so many people. It's a pretty awesome job. It's not the route I started on, but as soon as I met the pandas, that's where I wanted to spend my time. So where did you start? I actually started in the petting zoo. Uh, with the goats, who are probably the most underrated animals at the zoo. <laughs> I love the goats. And it's nice because you can cuddle them. <laughs> I don't work with any animals that I can cuddle. So, Quick fun little story on my Instagram. I have a rule that I only use portrait mode for goat photos. It's just a weird little rule, but I just I, goats look so good in portrait they mode. They do. It's the beard. Yep. It's the beards. 100%. Cool. So um, today uh, we're here to talk about Iggy. And Iggy was the red panda here at Zoo Atlanta, and um, she lived a great long life and is, is unfortunately no longer with us. But I was just hoping that you could give me some insight on Iggy. So do you know when Iggy first got here and where she came from or anything like that? Uh, Iggy was born at the Cincinnati Zoo. Every good panda Every was born <laughs> at the Cincinnati Zoo. Um, and she came here to kind of live out retirement in our habitat. We don't have the setup for a breeding pair right now, so we're kind of a retirement facility for red pandas. She lived with a small muntjac named Marvin, who's also unfortunately no longer with us, but he is a very well-known Zoo Atlanta resident. And he lived harmoniously with our previous red panda because, you know, red pandas live in trees, muntjacs don't. But as soon as Iggy showed up, she made it very clear that she did not want Marvin in her space. So <laughs> Marvin moved elsewhere in the zoo. And she kind of just hung out in there by herself. She was a very keep to herself animal our relationships with her were pretty transactional it was always what was in it for her uh one of the keepers that used to work with her joked that if you didn't have what she wanted she'd throw up a proverbial peace sign and walk away <laughs> <laughs> so she she's just special like she was one of those animals that wasn't super interactive but still managed to just steal your heart right away sure I so to tell you a little bit about my love of red pandas because I have a kind of weird story of, of how I got into this um my whole life, I loved animals, and it was always turtles, especially sea turtles. They just touched me. And if you asked me from age about three to 30-something, I would have said my favorite animals are turtles. And then I was going through some stuff in life. I went through some changes, some exciting but scary stuff, and I ended up moving to Philadelphia. And I joined the zoo because I didn't really know anyone there. And there was a red panda there named May. And from the first time I went to the zoo, she just, she looked up at me and we made a connection and I fell in love and knew I had a new favorite animal, which is crazy to just change something like that, you know, later in life. And then um, shortly thereafter, I, I came to Zoo Atlanta 
And I took one look at Iggy and just goodbye. She's everything. a heart stealer. Yeah, I think that was the first time I would have actually admitted to anyone that that red pandas were now my favorite animal, you know? Um, she just, oof, yeah. And and she looked right at me and, and stared into my soul for a minute and that was that was that was it. And I was I was done. She probably was wondering if you had some grapes or something. Oh, I'm sure. I one of my favorite things about animals is knowing that even though you feel a connection with them, they can feel a connection with you, but also sometimes just coincidences happen. Um, but they still feel magical. The last time I was here, Iggy was down on her lower platform. And I asked her, literally asked her, I looked down, I was like, Iggy, I really want to get some good pictures of you. Can you come up here? And she stood up, she did a long stretch and very slowly climbed up and plopped down and fell asleep right in front of That's me. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know, I know she didn't think, oh yeah, John, I got you. But at the same time, it hey, really felt like, did. yeah, John, yeah. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So when did Iggy arrive at the zoo? I believe it was around 2010. Okay, cool. Maybe 2012. And it was much before I got here. Okay. And that was for her retirement. as you Yeah. Said. I think that they had intentions that she would hopefully breed and it just didn't work out. So she came here. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned a little bit about her personality, and I do remember the first time I came here, um, there was a huge banner out front that said, Iggy, real panda, real diva. Yeah. And I now have that banner hanging in my drum room. Oh, really? And, That's um, cool. As I record like music videos and stuff uh, during quarantine, um, I make sure it's hanging in all of them. So you can see her little face looking over my shoulders in, in all those videos. Um, but what made her a diva? And just tell me a little bit more about uh, how she acted. Yeah. So, I mean, we, like I said, we take care of the giant and the red pandas and we've always had anywhere from two to six giant pandas. So you would think that these bigger animals that we had more of would demand more of our attention, but everything was done on edgy time. Uh, you did everything <laughs> in the order she wanted it, how she wanted it done. And you could try as hard as you wanted, but if she wasn't into it, that was just, you had to call it for the day, um, which is normal. That's how we treat all our animals at the zoo. But it's just, there was something about her. I think it might've been the way she kind of, we called it tootling the way she walked. Uh, we think it might've been the way she tootled off no matter how hard you tried. Um, and yeah, she just did everything on her time and she didn't play favorites. If you had what she wanted, it was cool. If you didn't, then she was going to climb away and go hang out and take a nap. <laughs> yeah. She ran this place. She ran it. Oh, I love that so much. Um, what were her favorite treats? Grapes, hands down. Um, pandas in general are kind of hard to introduce new foods to. They're very particular and creatures of habit, red pandas and giant pandas. So we'd reach out to other zoos and see what they were trying. And we had other zoos that were trying a variety of other fruits. We'd try it with Iggy. She'd be like, no, nah, you know, I, I like grapes. You should just bring me more grapes. Was it was it red grapes or green grapes or did it not matter? We tried green grapes once and she ate a few of them, but I think it was more of like a inquisitive bite and then this isn't a red grape, so I'm not going to eat it. That's a weird thing I've noticed that uh, pretty much every zoo I go to, it's always red grapes. Maybe they're a little, I think they're a little sweeter. Gotcha. So uh, we tried, she'd occasionally eat frozen blueberries, maybe some blackberries or strawberries, but she lived for grapes. That's amazing. I love that. And then obviously bamboo yep. was her main staple. That and leaf eater biscuits. Uh, right yeah, there. leaf eater biscuits. She did kill a bird once. So that <laughs> was all interesting. That. Um, we actually had a keeper who was doing some behavioral research on how she used her habitat because we knew we were going to be modifying it. And we would have our intern stand up there and take behavioral observations for about an hour. And we got a call from our intern that Iggy had killed a bird and was proceeding to tear it apart <laughs> in front of several guests. <laughs> so we had to go over there. And I mean, they are carnivores in the wild. You know, they would eat insects, bird eggs, um, 
the occasional piece of meat, but it wasn't something we saw from Iggy often. And the birds hang out in there. They nest in her tree. So it was very interesting. And I think they ended up trading her the dead bird for a grape. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I would make that trade. Yeah. So, all right. That's, that's actually hilarious. I really love that. Um, so I know that as Iggy got older, she developed some medical issues. I think mm -hmm. she had arthritis, right? Yeah. Um, and you guys went to amazing lengths to, to make life better for her. Um, tell me a little bit about that. I know that there was a uh, laser treatment and a special box and uh, then you guys redid the exhibit like a couple times, I think. Yeah. So, um, so we reached out to some other zoos that were also taking care of geriatric red pandas and we discovered Iggy had some issues with her arthritis and we were going to have to uh, cut off access to her tree because climbing up and down it was going to be too hard on her back. So after we reached out to some other zoos, we realized that laser therapy was an option, but with laser therapy, you have to wear sunglasses, and we didn't think Iggy would be down with wearing red panda sunglasses. She would look great in them. She would have looked great, yeah. Uh, so we developed the box to block the uh, laser from getting to her eyes, and we put grapes in her bowl, put her bowl in front of the box, and she went right into it because she's she was our training champ. She would do anything you asked her to. <laughs> And then our maintenance and horticulture and animal care staff all collaborated on how we could use the space and still make it vertically accessible for her because we didn't want to take her arboreal nature away from her. That's really important for red pandas. We wanted to give her the ability to climb whenever she wanted. And the maintenance technician that actually helped design the exhibit modeled it after an Ewok village with his kids. <laughs> so if you look at it, you can tell it's kind of got a little bit of Ewok vibe to it. And he sat down with his kids and they sketched some stuff out and then he brought it to life. Okay, that's amazing. Isn't it so that cool? Makes I me love so it. happy. Iggy the Ewok. I love that. It's just when I think of Iggy, one of the first things I think of is how much we all collaborated for her. Like we, every department in the zoo went above and beyond to make sure that habitat was great for her and that for the rest of her life, she was going to be comfortable and still engaged. Right. And I, I know, I noticed, I, I did a post about it on, on my Instagram, um, because when I came after the, the changes and you guys had, you, you had obviously written your, your blog about it and everything. And, um, but wow, to see it in person was just, um, it was honestly breathtaking. It like, looks great. He did I great felt job. so emotional because it's so clear. You know, one thing I talk about on this podcast a lot is the fact that I feel like there is a group of people who just do not believe that zoos are good or okay and that animals are better off in the wild and, and you know, all that. And I get the idea behind what they're saying, but I always like to use facts like the fact that a red panda's life expectancy is literally double in captivity mm -hmm. compared to in the wild and everything. But as much as those facts, you know, are important, I think if you really can, I think if everyone could see the work that went into that and see the before and after pictures. It's of, incredible. It was amazing. And that's just for one little red panda. So what all, uh, what all different departments have to collaborate on something like that? Tell me more about that. So we brought in our upper animal care staff to kind of talk about, you know, what red pandas need, what we wanted to utilize the space while still maintaining the integrity of the space, making sure she couldn't just climb right out. Uh, we brought in our horticulture team because we had to cut off access to that tree and a couple of modifications to it to make sure she couldn't climb up it and hurt her back. And then it was a really big collaboration with our maintenance department. They had to go in and set those giant poles in and then they painted it to look like natural pieces of wood. 
Um, you'll notice that all of the pieces in there are bamboo. So it's mm. still got this like nice aesthetic bamboo look to it. It doesn't look too industrial and built up. It's very natural looking, which yeah. is something we wanted not just for Iggy, but for our guests to see her in a more natural looking habitat. That's awesome. And you guys have a box in there that was like an air conditioned, mm -hmm. closed off, but still on exhibit, able to see box, right? Yeah, yeah. Was that always a part of the exhibit? Yeah, that was there before. Iggy had this really bad habit of, they, they do some walking, which is normal for her species. You know, they have to scent mark their territory. Mm -hmm. They have to do some walking with, during the time of year, they'd typically be looking for a mate. So Iggy had this really bad habit of picking the hottest days to do that. <laughs> and then not going into her air conditioning. <laughs> But it was always on in there for her, and she would go in there most of the time. But, yeah, that was there before the modifications, and we okay. just made it a little more easily accessible for her. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's awesome to see and hear about so many people coming together for one little little red panda. It that was a really awesome. – I'm not going to lie. It was a really proud moment for all of us. Like, for those people who you said, like, don't think zoos are good or things like that, that was one of the things we could show them, like, look, we are doing everything we can, even just for this little animal mm -hmm. who lives up in the back corner of the zoo. <laughs> we did everything we could to make her comfortable. That's so awesome. And even, like, stuff like laser treatment, that's got to be – I assume that's got to be expensive and that's got to be challenging. Yeah, we worked really hard. That's another thing is we worked really hard with our vet staff on developing a therapy for her as well as some supplements and medications we could give her that, you know, she'd still have a really good quality of life and be able to engage with her habitat. The laser machine itself is an expensive piece of equipment. It is used on other animals throughout the zoo. Sure. But we always did Iggy first thing in the morning, you know, if she decided to come down. <laughs> you know, our vet staff was very flexible with like, hey, Iggy's sleeping in. Can you check back in 10 minutes? Sometimes 10 minutes was two hours. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. And the box was pretty cute. The little box she put her head in was pretty cute. <laughs> Wasn't inspired by any Star Wars anything. No, no. no it was just we had some materials and one of our keepers threw it together and she didn't care. She just That's so awesome. Do you find that um, as a keeper, you have to find ways to be creative with just stuff and you, like, like making a box or, or whatever? If you... Yeah, that's definitely something that we utilize every day. Most of our day is very routine. You know, the typical like clean up, feed animals. But there are things that happen on a dime that we just have to think of how to adjust. So it's a lot of critical thinking skills. And Iggy declined, I don't want to say really quickly, but it got worse than it was pretty fast. So we had to think on our feet and reach out to the other facilities, like I mentioned, and think of something we could do immediately for her because we didn't have another space really to put her. So it was, we had to figure out how to use the space and make it adjustable for her. And, and you guys really succeeded at that. Like Thank I said, you. it took my breath away when I saw it. That's I'm glad. Really that's cool. You know, that's the whole the whole reason we're here, right? We want, like, connection you made with Iggy is exactly why we're here. Now you care about red pandas. You tell other people about red pandas. And that's a big part of our job. And it makes me really happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, she has definitely raised some uh, awareness just through the stuff that I've done and, and, and some money for Red Panda Network. And, and if, if that just is, I'm just one person, not even somebody who lives near Atlanta. So... Um, talk a little bit more about uh, being an ambassador for her species and, and maybe the kind of stuff you would hear from guests or, or you know, even just other people at the zoo, staff, vets, whatever. Uh, what impact did Iggy have on other people? Yes, I didn't quite realize. I knew she was well-loved and she was a favorite because she's ridiculously cute. Uh, I didn't realize quite the impact she had until after she was gone, which is unfortunate, but... When we announced that she had passed, it was 
the response and the positive comments were so overwhelming. And that was something that a lot of us referenced back to when we were hurting and missing her, like how much she affected people, how many kids, animals, favorite animals were red pandas because of Iggy. Mm -hmm. And Zoo Atlanta has been a big partner with the Red Panda Network for a long time. And they also post things about Iggy frequently. So I think her reach is so much farther than just Atlanta. I knew about red pandas before I got here, but Iggy was the first red panda I'd actually ever seen in real life. And oh, wow, that's incredible. She is just, I know everyone has like their animals they love, but Iggy, I really think like she's got a big impact and she's going to leave a lasting impact. Even after we get maybe another red panda, I think everyone's going to remember Iggy. You are not wrong. And you guys did a, um, the Walk for Red Pandas, was that it, with a, a team of Remembering Iggy? Uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Um, so because of the pandemic right now, a lot of conservation organizations are kind of trying to bring in income in a lot of different creative ways. So the Red Panda Network hosted a five, a virtual 5K and half marathon. So uh, another keeper and I, she knows she sent it to me. We kind of joke that we're always trying to get into running and never have a reason to keep <laughs> keep with it. So she was like, hey, we should do this for Iggy. So we created the team. We had a lot of interest from other members of the zoo. We had a lot of interest from, you know, panda fans that love Iggy so much. So we ran a 5K for Iggy. She's probably the only person I would run or animal I would run a 5K for. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was hot out, and I, but it was like, we have to do this for Iggy. So yeah, it was a really fun experience. And again, for the Red Panda Network, which is one of my favorite conservation organizations. They're incredible. Yeah, mine as well. Um, I love that they don't just take care of animals, but the people there. Yeah, community-based conservation yes, is huge yes, for them. Yes, and also um, they're now taking on penguins. That's Which awesome. Really I didn't cool. know that. Yeah, they That's just awesome. announced some partnerships to try and save the penguin as well. That's great. Um, which obviously it's most tracked animal or most traffic animal, you know, in the world. And yeah. Yeah, and they share their habitat. Yep. So it's, it's really huge. cool what they're doing. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, yeah, congrats on, on running the 5K. That's Thanks. so cool. I'm sure it was a lot. Um, I actually felt really bad. Uh, I, I donated through the Carson the Red Panda. Uh, team, which is a uh, a friend of mine who who lives out in San Francisco and and knows the uh, Carson, who is the red panda at Woodland Park Zoo, who is one of them, who is is just awesome. And then I saw the Remembering Edgy, and I totally would have split my donation. And I know it doesn't matter. But oh, it all goes to the same I know. place. It's I okay. Just, I wish I could have given to Edgy as well as Carson, but you know, from, from an emotional Carson's standpoint. cute too. I'm from Carson. Seattle, so oh, okay, yeah, cool, so cool, cool. So you know Carson and and maybe Yukiko and. Um, Hazel that are out there right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't been in a while. Okay, but... gotcha, yeah. Um, Hazel is another perfect, adorable red panda who originated, of From course. Cincinnati. Yeah, of course, because that's what they do. They make perfect pandas They do make Cincinnati. perfect pandas. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, awesome. I, I'm, I'm so great to hear. It's, I'm so grateful to hear about her lasting impact on conservation and on people. Um, so... If you don't mind, I know it's a tougher subject, but I, I would love to hear how the decision was made to euthanize. And um, and I want to start off by saying I think euthanasia, um, I was joking before we started recording, you can't really say you're a fan of euthanasia yeah. because that just sounds wrong. But I do think that it is a good thing to do. And I think that zoos, you know, do it in a proper way. And, and I think end of life dignity is really important. Um, but if you'd be willing to share what that was like, both on a, on a, an, I guess both on a uh, logical or, or scientific or medical 
perspective. But then if you're willing to share anything about what it was like personally for you and the team, um, and I'll try not to cry. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's just a part of our job, like being a keeper. It's not something, you know, when you sign the paperwork and you get interviewed, it's not something that gets brought up. Like, are you okay with euthanasia? Can you handle this? It's just a given part of our job. Um, like you mentioned, animals in zoos live a lot longer than their wild counterparts, which is awesome because we're able to keep them around longer and impact more people that way. They can live healthy lives. They are super comfortable. But when the decision, it's time to make that decision, it's probably one of the hardest part of our jobs because we are spending all of our time being, you know, the advocates for these animals, being their voices. And even with, you know, your pets at home, it's really hard to make that decision to be their voice because they can't say, you know, I'm hurting. This isn't, this isn't pleasant anymore. So it wasn't a decision we took lightly. We definitely exhausted every option we could before it was made. We talked a lot with our vet staff, you know, her quality of life was so important and quality of life isn't something we just talk about when animals get sick. It's something we talk about consistently throughout their age. So we have things to compare it to as they get older and we wanted Iggy to, you know, have a good life. And it just got to the point where we had tried several different things with our vet staff, with some outside sources, and she wasn't responding well to them, probably because of her age. She was almost 14, which is very old for a red panda. Right. And we didn't want to keep putting her through all these treatments without a possible light at the end of the tunnel. That's not how we wanted her to spend her last days. So... It was a really hard decision to make, but it's not one that I think any of us are ashamed of. We did it for Iggy. Um, we wanted her to be comfortable, and we all loved her so much. It was hard for everyone. Um, it's something I I do not envy our vet staff at all because they have to be the ones that do it. But our we have the most incredible vet staff here, and they're so supportive, and they talk with all the keepers to make sure they understand why it's being done, why it's the best decision, what the outlook looks like for the animal if we don't make that call. So it kind of just hit that point where we tried everything, and she just wasn't getting better, and we didn't want to keep keep doing that to her. So um, Personally, it impacted us a lot because we spend all of our time in the giant panda building because Iggy is technically a separate habitat. It's like the one time we get to go outside. <laughs> so it just, it felt like this giant hole was gone. Like we went over there every day and there were so many times one of us would go to like set up Iggy's food and then there was no, no animal to give the food to, or it's just little things you don't realize like commissary accidentally delivering the diet because it hasn't gotten pulled from the rotation yet. Um, you know, putting her food bowls away, just like little stuff like that you don't think would be that big of a deal. But I mean, I sobbed and bawled my eyes out when I removed a label from her food bin that had her name on it. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of keepers, you know, we sit there and like, what else could we have done? What, what could we have done differently? Um, but we, like I said, we did everything we could for that little panda. Um, and it's still something that, affects me every day. I don't like going over to that exhibit because it's empty. And then, you know, of course there's people there that ask where she is and it's always hard because she was so loved. And, you know, there's some people who just don't know she's gone yet. So we still have guests coming every day asking where she is. And it's been a couple months now. And it, I think it was particularly hard for us and our guests because we were closed when it happened. Right. So nobody got to see her right beforehand. And then they just came back and she was gone. Um, so as we move forward, you know, with the species survival plan about potentially getting another red panda, you know, it's, 
it feels weird to like be able to so easily move on. Right. But you know, we have to, and it's a part of our job and it's just, we miss her so much. It's not something that we just like get over. It's little stuff that brings it up all the time. Like the sticker on my water bottle. I'll see it sometimes. We're like, Oh, edgy. Yeah. Stuff like that. I totally get that. I, um, yeah, like I was saying, it's interesting as a fan, you know, you just, you wake up one day and there's a tweet and something that you love that was a little part of your heart is gone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, um, I'm in no way comparing that to someone who worked with and, and knew her. Yeah, but she day, affected so, your but, life. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Like we, you know, we take care of her and we're the ones that have to pick up her poop every day, but like she affected so many people. And that is, I think a really, it made me really proud to be one of our keepers. Right. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing. All yeah, of, of course. Were you guys able to do any, like in general or specifically with Iggy, um, do you ever get to do any, uh, any like group hugs, you know, uh, just, I don't know anything like a, she's gone, but we're together kind of thing, uh, you know, to, to, to help as a team. Yeah, that was also something that was really hard about this one is we are practicing social distancing even oh, within our teams. So it was kind of like a, I love you fellow keepers from six feet away. I'm sending you hugs. Keepers in general aren't big huggers, so gotcha. it wasn't a huge deal. But <laughs> um, yeah, it made it that much harder because, you know, sometimes when we lose an animal, like we'll all go grab a beer or something afterwards. Right. Um, but it was kind of one of those, okay, this happens. Now we all have to go home and we texted each other about it. Of course we were sending each other pictures back and forth, but even those first few weeks, it was too painful to even really talk about. Cause she's just such a huge part of the zoo. Of course. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, cool. Well to, to, to take it on a, a lighter note. Yeah. Um, thank the, but seriously though, first, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, I know of course. that can't be the easiest thing. And, uh, as I was typing up the question, I even, I felt bad. I was like, should I even Don't ask this? Bad. It's okay. You have to, you know, I want it to be real. And, and I want people to know how much like, keepers care about their animals like how much i i see the animals here almost more than i see my dog at home right so it's they're a huge part of our lives makes sense um are you guys i know you had mentioned possibly moving on so any any words any do you know if you're going to be getting another panda or what the plan is um so we're talking with the species survival plan there's always you know that hey do we want to how does the zoo want to move forward with this species um what else could we do what should we do so that's all being done for the lack of like a better way to say it way above my head. Right. right, right. <laughs> um, so we are talking with the species, species survival plan, I believe because red pandas are part of that program mm-hmm. um, about, you know, if there are any pandas in the country that need to be re- like moved or if we could take one of them or if we should get another species. So I think it's definitely on the plate. Um, cool. I don't know to what extent yet. Well, I, I really hope that you guys get another one because it's, it's clear that you guys know how to take care of them. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, I hope that works. And I know what you mean. It's 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 that weird thing. It's just like when you lose a pet or something. Do you do you move on right away? Do you, and and people people react differently personally. Um, you know, I have I have a friend who got a puppy like two weeks after their dog died. I have another friend who lost their dog and has never replaced it yeah. over a decade later because people it hurts too much. Totally differently, and that's totally fine. But because of the conservation effort, and because mm-hmm. they are such an important species, and because you're able to impact the both wild pandas and um and and the zoo population people in general with that kind of conservation message and with seeing one i i I do hope you guys are able to move on because 
even if it is a little challenging, I know the impact will be worth it. I, th- I think so too. And it'll be good to apply everything. The thing when you like get a new animal of a species, you can apply everything you've learned from the previous ones. So everything moving forward, we can utilize things we learned about Iggy. You know, this panda might be totally different than Iggy if we get one. Um, she was older, younger pandas tend to be a little more playful. Iggy didn't care about anything but grapes. So <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I would love to get another red panda. I think they're a huge part. I almost think about red pandas more when I think about zoo Atlanta now than giant panda, just because Iggy has been such a huge part of our conservation work for the last several years. That's awesome. Uh, and you do, you do also take care of the giant pandas. I basically. do. Yeah. And they, that's another thing with being a keeper is, you know, you lose an animal, but the other animals that you take care of, you know, they have things they need. So you have to just bounce back on your feet right away. Um, especially the giant pandas, they always need something. <laughs> <laughs> so that definitely, I think, helped us in a way because they for sure kept us busy and unable to spend too much time being sad. Um but yeah, they're, they're very different. That's very really different. cool. Now, are, are giant pandas the only other animals that you take care of? or are you um, Our particular animal section, animal? yeah, just we take care of. So right now we're just doing giant panda because we don't have a red panda. But generally, um, giant panda keepers also take care of red panda. Oh, okay. But cool. we're all members of the, we call them the meat eaters because technically pandas are carnivores, but right. you know the whole bamboo thing. So Right, right. Um, so just for people listening who might be confused, since they have the same name and you take care of both of them, Red pandas and giant pandas are not super closely related at all, right? No, definitely not. Um, giant or red pandas were actually discovered 50 years before giant pandas, right. which they is they are the OG. They are the OG panda, which is why some people sometimes call them the lesser panda, which I try to avoid because I think that's very demeaning. Um, <laughs> if you look at my um, my hashtags on 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 Raw Safari, give it a look. Um, Every time I post a red panda, I do a hashtag that is lesser panda, and then another one that is hashtag, but not really lesser. And you can actually find, I think I'm the only person who's ever done that, because if you search that hashtag, it's just every red panda picture I've ever posted. That's (laughs) great. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but they're, um, you know, previously they were classified together because before science got really particular, you know, they both eat bamboo and they both have pseudothumbs, so surely they're related. Um, red pandas are actually part of their own taxonomic family. So I kind of look at it, I try to describe to people like if we lose red pandas, that's like losing the entire canine family. Mm -hmm. Like we lose all of it. And, you know, there's research recently that shows that they're actually two separate species before they were just subspecies, but they're showing some DNA results that say they might be two different ones, which actually makes one of them have numbers that are even more scary. There's as few as 2,500 total in the wild right now. Right. And I know the family is Alloridae, I believe. Alloridae, yeah. yeah. And then the um, the two species are Fulgens and Styani, right? Styani or Refulgens. Refulgens, yeah. okay. So cool. Iggy was a Refulgens. I was just going to ask. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, the easiest way to tell them apart is the coloration. So the Refulgens have a little more of the darker copper on their faces, and the Fulgens kind of have like a whitewash face. They look, sure. they look like they're older pandas, but it's just the coloration. Sure, sure. Makes sense. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share about Iggy or any other stories or, I don't know. It seems like every keeper I've spoken to for this so far has a poop story. Do you have a poop? I don't oh, know. Any, anything shit. like that. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can give you a poop story. <laughs> um, so like I said, I take care of the giant pandas and they're, they digest almost none of their bamboo. So when they poop, it's just like straight mulch. <laughs> like it's the like least gross poop. I have worked with a lot of animals in the mammal department. I used to be a swing keeper. So I worked with everything. 
and they are by far the least gross poop ever. But Iggy was the smallest animal I took care of, but she packed a punch. <laughs> it was not cute at all. Um, her feces were pretty bad, and she had this habit. Before we remodeled the habitat, she would poop on top of her AC box, and it was really hard to reach, even for me, and I'm the tallest one in the area. So we had to use, like, a car wash squeegee to bring it closer to us, which when you have a group of, like, 12-year-old school children watching you and you're literally squeegeeing turds off of a ceiling, it's just one of those moments where you're like, oh, right, this is cool. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Oh, I love that. Um, Are there any social medias that you would like to to, um, have me kind of include on this as far as personal stuff or or zoo atlantas or red panda network or any anything else that you're into yeah so definitely zoo atlanta's instagram we're always posting really good stuff um yours sounds like you're posting tons of cool (laughs) red panda stuff i'm trying i'll definitely be giving you a follow after this and then the red panda network for sure they like i said they are one of my favorite conservation organizations they hit every single bullet point as far as what good conservation and long-term impacts look like so i think if you love red pandas or you want to like live Iggy's legacy, you know, Red Panda Network is definitely something to check out. A huge, huge, huge thank you to Danica and everyone at Zoo Atlanta for that incredible interview and for welcoming me with such open arms. Getting to talk to such an amazing human about such an amazing animal, especially one that affected me so strongly, was truly a wonderful privilege. I'm constantly amazed at how incredible the zoo and animal-loving community is. And don't worry, I'm pretty sure that won't be the last time you hear Danica on this podcast. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.